The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life, it's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth and assets without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Sone, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Hi, this is Tom Sone, and welcome to a very special episode of The Anonymous Landlord. And today, I really wanted to do a landlord legislation legal and compliance special and when I want to do something like that I bring out the big guns so please do introduce yourself my very special guest my name is David Cox I am the legal and compliance director at Rightmove I spent seven years running the association of residential letting agents what most people know as Arla or more recently since its rebrand Property Mark and then uh, another familiar name, the National Landlords Association, the NLA. Been around the industry for quite a while now. I told you, I told you, the big guns. And today we're going to get David's insight, very experienced insight, into vital legislation that landlords and letting agents need to know now and in the future we're also going to have a chat about the future of landlords and landlording. This is all changing, so you need to know this stuff. And lastly, we'll get a few bits of advice for landlords and letting agents as well on legislation compliance. Thank you very much for joining me, David. I really appreciate your time. So I'm just going to fire straight into this if you're all right with that. Let's go. All right. So look, let's start with right now. As you and I both know, there is a ton of legislation now for landlords. It's constantly changing and it's difficult to keep up with. So in your experience, in your, in your insight, what do you think is hot right now in legislation for landlords? Let's also include a bit for letting agents as well, because I think that's important. So I think you're absolutely right. And you look over the last 10 to 15 years, there has not been what is known as a standard commencement date. It's a, two days every year, 6th of April, 1st of October, when generally new laws come into, into being. There has barely been a single one of those in the last 15 years where there hasn't been something new for landlords. And quite honestly, I don't really see that set to change anytime soon. Um, it was just a few days ago that the Public Accounts Committee issued its own report slamming the private rented sector that it is not fit for purpose, but ignoring the fact that it is as a result of instead of proper regulation of the industry, which many other businesses and uh, industries have, it's because we are almost having death by a thousand cuts with new law on top of new law on top of new law most of which is so detailed and so complicated, nobody really understands it. Some of it conflicts. So you end up with the good landlords, the great letting agents, doing the right thing, complying with the law, and then the tail end of people that you have the don't know what they don't know people, and you have the people that just don't care people. 
I'm interrupting this episode to tell you that I also run a lettings and property management business. And that includes full management of your property, full management of your tenants, and full management of you so that you can become an anonymous landlord. Because that's the only way to be a landlord. Plus, my team will make sure your property investment is always profitable, reliable, easy, simple, and safe. And the first thing to do is find out whether you, your property, and my business are a good fit together. So you can email me. It's tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. Or you can search Tom Sohn on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on TikTok. You can't miss me. I'm the big guy with a beard. So I hope to speak to you soon. I'll let you get back to the episode. Yeah, and this has been going on for years. I would say over the last couple of years, the government has been uh, more focused on other things than private landlords, I suppose is the best way of putting it. And we have had somewhat of a reprieve. So yeah, if we go back to pre-pandemic, the election of uh, December 2019, they were talking about banning Section 21, regulating letting agents, lifetime deposits. None of that has actually happened, but we have had a almost a couple of years of peace and quiet. If we remember right at the height of lockdown one was when the electrical safety regulations came into force. We've had all the great fun with the courts as a result of the pandemic. And only now are we starting to try and clear that massive backlog. We've instead of gone going from a first come first served approach in the court, we're now taking a worst first approach. So I do question whether there was any actual point in issuing the Section 21 notice at this point in time. Depends where you are in the country, I do accept that, that some areas with lower backlogs are starting to get back to some sense of normality. But you go, you know, if you're a landlord in central London, I've heard that the waiting list can be up to 18 months from issuing the court proceeding to getting anywhere close to a bailiff. We've still got bailiff guidance, even though the, the COVID guidance and COVID rules have gone now, the bailiff guidance is that they have to ask if anybody's got COVID. And if they say yes, or they suspect they might have COVID, they have to abort the eviction. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a loophole one could drive a coach and horses through. <laughs> if you don't want to leave your house and somebody asks you, have you got COVID? I would probably say yes, because you know you're going to get a reprieve. But how long is that guidance going to be in existence for? It's certainly still, still there today. So... Now, we're still in this state of flux, but I think we are coming out at the end of it. And I think there is a lot going forward that we're going to have to deal with. I suppose the, the next thing is in a few months' time where we have got the changes to what landlords and agents are going to have to put on their property listings, be it on a portal or even in the shop, win a shop window or news agent. Uh, and that's what's known as the material information work that is coming online, um, I, according to the government at the end of the spring, but for government spring is really anywhere from March to October. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all, we've had a couple of years of absolute turmoil. Legislation has still been piling in. Also people trying to catch up with the legislation that's been implemented or brought in prior to the pandemic it's been crazy if we put covid to one side for a second are you seeing any common mistakes 
in following legislation for landlords? The common mistakes that have existed for years, actually, but they're just becoming slightly more heightened now, and that is particularly around evictions. And the whole list of things that you need to provide up front in order to issue your Section 21 at the end, if you haven't done it in the right order, you can't evidence you've done it. If you put the wrong date on a form, it ends up causing, yeah, it was immeasurable pain two years ago when you put it in and you got a court hearing within a few weeks. Imagine the situations now where you put the wrong date on a Section 21 notice you get to court 18 months down the line, they throw it out because instead of putting, I don't know, the 14th of April, you should have actually, you know, when considering service and notice, it should have been the 15th of April. Um, and in you know, June 2023, they then throw, throw the case out of court. It's why, shockingly, um, I'm not massively worried about the reforms that they're talking about because if we can get over some of these silly little things that are causing landlords massive pain, massive financial heartache um, and hardship for what is a simple administrative error, putting the wrong date. In law, it's a huge error, but in practical reality, it's a technical problem that is used as a stick to beat landlords. Now, in 2022, why can we not have a court system where there is an automated electronic process that you're not filling out pieces of paper any longer, that you are going on to, I don't know whether you've ever experienced possession claim online. Uh, I would probably say endured possession claim online. <laughs> it was something I, I'm fairly sure it was written in MS-DOS long before anything <laughs> else like that existed. But it's so antiquated, it's almost useless. Now, we're in the 21st, you know, the third decade of the 21st century now why can we not have a system where it works out when the notice period so that you don't end up with wasting your time wasting tenants time wasting the court's time with having these silly little mistakes that i think will massively improve the administration of justice it will free up the courts from silly mistakes and technical hearings and then having to come back uh, and it will make landlords lives easier as well so it's common sense. It's just basic common sense. Yeah. It's not It's not rocket science. And it's not like we know that the government can't do it, because actually some of the things they've done recently, like the right to rent changes, and if you've got a, uh, a tenant that is a foreign national, that you've got your share code now, it's so simple and easy to use online. You don't need to be worrying about, is this a genuine passport? Because they do all of that for you and just give you something on a screen. Now, we know it's possible, of course it's technically possible, and the government can do it when they think they actually put their mind to it. So why can't we get this for the possession process as well? In, in the 30 years that we've had the internet as part of our lives, we're still not using it to its fullest extent, are we? Exactly. <laughs> but then coming from a tech company, you would expect me to say something like that. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Have you got any advice that landlords could take on board to avoid the most common mistakes in legislation and compliance? So it's what I would say is when you're starting a tenancy, make sure you get those documents and that you have a mechanism. Email is probably the best where you can evidence that you have served the how to rent guide, the gas safety certificate, the EPC, deposit protection certificate when you've protected the deposit. That way, and any license if the property is a licensable property, 
that way you know you've got i call it a, your compliance pack so that as long as you can demonstrate you've served that you don't have the worries later down the line and it's something i see day in day out with landlords uh forgetting one document so most have a checklist good advice a helpful checklist in the how to rent guide itself um so you use that as the checklist also you have to think about dates of service uh and time it takes to serve documents when you are um putting the notice periods i would always give yourself a couple of days grace just in case you make a mistake so what may be you're giving the tenant an extra two or three days um, that you may think that they are not entitled to, it makes it a lot easier later down the line. Those three days are a lot better than 18 months, put it like that. I could not agree with you more. <laughs> There's also, and this is one where most people grimace when I say this, um, in this time where the courts are so backed up, it's going to be very difficult to get possession. We don't really know what the future of section 21 and the possession process is going to be. Um, but I think landlords need to take, almost take the emotion out of it when you've got to that situation. You are in a business after all. So what is the most efficient way of generating rent and therefore income from your property? It's not emotionally fighting a tenant through the courts to get your justice. It is get them out as quickly as humanly possible, whilst legally, um, and getting that property back up to scratch, back rented out, back making you money. And however galling this may sound, and I fully appreciate it's incredibly galling, but commercially, it is probably better to say, how much do I have to pay you to get out of my house? Mm -hmm. Give you deposit back, I'll give you your first month's rent, please leave at the end of the month. And um, it may be incredibly galling, but think about how long it's going to take you to get through the courts. And yes, you might get your justice at the end of the day and you'll see them thrown out by the bailiffs, but you will have lost thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds in lost rent whilst you're going through that process. And is justice worth it when you are running a business? So I would probably say this now more than ever before because we are in the situation where it is so difficult to get possession at the moment with such backlog courts, whilst the government is simultaneously still closing courts across the country and wondering why the backlog keeps getting longer. Brilliant advice. And do you know what? A lot of landlords don't think they can do that by just saying to a tenant, hey, look, I need you to leave. How much is that going to cost? And the tenant may say, look, give us a couple of grand and I'll leave. And, you know, get it in writing. If that's full and final, then... Yeah, it is what is known in law as a surrender of tenancy. It is perfectly acceptable. I would suggest if you do that, you get it in writing, at which point, once they hand the keys back, that's when you transfer the money and it, it's over. But that way, you've got your property back. You can get it cleaned up quickly. You can get it back on that market. And at the moment, I'm sure you're hearing this from everywhere, but I, I know from the time that properties are staying on site at the moment, they are going like hotcakes and the demand out there is just astronomic at the moment i to a very large agent yesterday who was saying they've got property on the market on right move uh on sunday 
they took it off on Monday morning, having had over a hundred applicants. I can I can I can vouch firsthand at that. I've got a chain of letting agents around the south, and I've got a national lettings management firm, which does quite a lot of work in the northeast and the Midlands. And you put a property on the market, you're flooded with inquiries. Within a couple of days, it's gone at the moment. It's rented, and sometimes we're seeing places get rented for more than they've been advertised for. Um, you know, and you get to choose. You get to choose your best tenants. Oh, absolutely. Properties are on site um, for just under 40% less time than wow. a year ago. And that's information from Rightmove you've just got there. Yeah. 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 So yeah, from it going up and it's available to it disappearing off the site. Um, and that's generally after it's been under offer for the period of getting all the documents signed. Um, so I would suggest it's from going live to getting a tenancy agreement signed and sealed. It's at the moment, it's just under 40% less than last year, not quite three weeks. So putting all those things together, it's taking nearly half the time to rent a property out and rents are up. So get your property on the market, buy it, get it on the market, rent it out. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> um, so look, I want to... I want to look at what's coming next for landlords in relation to legislation and compliance. Now, obviously, there are going to be things that you know are in the works. You've mentioned a couple, but there are things as well that you think are probably coming. What, what, any ideas on those? So, shall I do it in a bit of timeline order then? Go for so, it. Number one, number one, which is coming any day now, is uh, what is known as the material information. I'm interrupting this episode again because I forgot to tell you that I am also a property broker. That means I get offered off-market, below-market value property investment deals. So if you are looking for a property investment, buy-to-let or flip-to-let, then let me know and I will connect you with the sourcing agents, with the estate agents that are selling these properties off-market. Just email me, tom at tomsone.com, or you can connect with me through Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. Just search Tom Sone anywhere. You can't miss me. I'm the big guy with the beard and no hair on my head. I hope we can work together soon. I'll let you get back to the episode. Uh, under the Consumer Protection from Unfair Trading Regulations of 2008, um, the National Trading Standards Estate and Letting Agency team is shortly going to be publishing guidance on what it expects a landlord and a letting agent to put as the absolute bare minimum, the material information that every consumer needs to know before even going to look at a property. Now, in lettings, I don't really disagree with what they're saying. How much is it? What's the rent? Yep. Okay, fine. What's the holding deposit? We know that's a week of the rent, so that's fine. What's the security deposit? We know that's capped at five weeks. Again, no problem with um, And for landlords, uh, the length of the, the term, so what is the minimum term you will accept? Most people will put six or 12 months, but you know, it could be longer if you want to. Uh, and what's council tax? Now, I don't think that at this stage, that's a massive amount of, of ask. It's not much more, to be fair, than that which most people put on the site, certainly on, on Rightmove in any event. 
Um, we're building a few extra fields so we can make it slightly more prominent for people on site. Um, and council tax, a lot of agents and a lot of landlords already put that on. We're actually going to be building in a, a field where it will say council tax equals C or equals included in the rent if you're letting an HMO, for example. Uh, so that is coming. Um, they are expecting it to be done in the summer. So we're looking to get it ready in June so that they'll be able to start uploading that on site. But it won't just be on the property portals. They will expect it on agents' websites, on in agents' windows. And if you're a self-managing landlord, you're, so if you're using somebody like OpenRent, for example, or one of the other online agents, you'll be expected to put it on there. If you're advertising in a window, um, so a news agent's window, you will be expected to put this information on there as well. So that's coming very shortly. It's been as a result of a working group that, well, I've been sitting on that working group in two different jobs, so that's how long it's been going. Uh, um, so that's number one. Number two, we've then got the changes to the right to rent checks. That's coming in on 1st of October. So if we remember at the moment, we are in a uh, temporary COVID measures regarding the right to rent checks. So instead of having the physical person in front of you and the original document, you can do it online at the moment. That came in, I think it was the 30th of January, 20, sorry, 30th of March, 2020, in response to lockdown one. It's still in force because what they've done is with the new share code system for foreign nationals, you can do it all online. And they wanted to be able to move to that the same for British citizens and Irish citizens, but they didn't have the system quite ready. So what they're doing at the moment is just extending and extending the COVID deadlines until they can get a new system uh, online for doing basically virtual right to rent checks on British citizens. Can I just jump in on that really quickly? Because any landlord listening to all of this, I, I, I speak to a lot of landlords that maybe don't fully grasp the seriousness of the legal components and all the legislation that must be followed now. And this is being hit really hard. So if you're a landlord listening to this, I definitely recommend hitting the favorites on this particular episode, going back, getting your pen and paper and write this stuff down. Right to rent for an example is huge. There are yep. massive penalties at the moment for failing to not just failing to do proper right to rent checks, but failing to renew it, failing to get it right, get the right information. This is serious. Anyway, I'm sorry to jump in. I thought I'd... 3, 000... No, you're absolutely right. £3,000 a pop. So right. uh, everybody over the age of 18 in that property, whether they were tenant or a permitted occupier, you haven't done the right to rent check, £3,000 fine per person. If you then fail to do the follow-up checks for non-British citizens or people on time-limited visas, that's another £3,000 on top of the original £3,000. The Consumer Protection Regulations, you're going to love this one, £20,000 fine uh, and or up to two years in prison. That's wow. reaching the Consumer Protection Regulations. And there have been prosecutions. Um, there have been very, there have been big prosecutions in various parts of Europe, because this was European legislation. Um, but I seem to recall about three years ago, uh, an agent got fined £250,000 for breaching CPRs. So they do get enforced. And depending on how large you are, if you are a single private landlord, it's not going to be £250,000. Um, but the larger you are, the fines can go up exponentially. Um, so those are things that we know are coming. We also know at some point at the moment, it just says 
when parliamentary time allows, they're going to be changing the smoke and carbon monoxide regulation to require you to have a carbon monoxide alarm where there is gas, which, to be fair, beggars belief why they didn't do that first time round. Because I remember sitting in so many seminars trying to explain, no, you don't need to do it if you've got a gas boiler, but you do if you've got an open wood fire in the lounge. Uh, the number of questions. I have to say, though, it's, it's the fa my favourite question of all time. When somebody did put their hand up uh, when I was saying, you know, it's only where there was a solid fuel uh, burn. Is gas a solid fuel? So I feel that's more elementary science than it is a legal question. <laughs> <laughs> so you Let become a talk. science teacher as well, yes. right? <laughs> Let me talk about the states of matter. <laughs> gas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gas will never be a solid fuel. Uh, um, uh, I do, however, remember, uh, this is going back a few years, but I do remember I was um, speaking at a conference the day before those regulations came in. And um, there was a lady in the audience who ran uh, her own independent uh, letting agent. And I was saying, yeah, this comes in tomorrow. And she was like, I'm sorry, this comes in tomorrow? Yes. Literally. Grabbed a bag, legged it out of the room. <laughs> I, it was quite hilarious. Um, especially as a few weeks before, I had actually got in contact with um, B&Q and said, just out of interest, we need about 4 million smoke alarms to be installed by the 1st of October. Do you have 4 million smoke alarms? Uh, the response that came back was probably not publishable. <laughs> Please replace the handset. And try. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, we, we, again, at some point, they're going to be bringing in CO2 alarms as mandatory for, uh, for where you've got gas. But that's been best practice for years in any event. They didn't do it at the time because government estimates suggested that in excess of 80% of properties that had a gas boiler already had a carbon monoxide alarm because the likes of British Gas were installing them. Yeah, they put a new boiler in, they were putting a, a CO alarm in. So I don't think that's really going to affect many people. And let's be honest, I think they cost about a tenner. Yeah, it's not, it's not bank-breaking amounts of money there. And it's just, it's common sense. And because if something does go wrong and your tenants uh, pass away as a result of carbon monoxide poisoning, the prosecution, yeah, you will probably get prosecuted for uh, some sort of corporate manslaughter. Uh, and we have seen that. So I would suggest even before the law, if you haven't got CO alarms and you've got gas, a gas boiler, just stick one up. It just makes it so much easier. Um, then we've got the last slightly more longer term ones. So number one, we've got the ban on Section 21, the reform of the court system, the reform of uh, Section 8. Do we know what that's going to contain? Not really yet. They were supposed to publish a white paper, a command paper, setting out what they're going to do last August um, and the beginning of autumn. It then got pushed back to the spring. We're now, as far as I'm concerned, about halfway through the spring at this point in time, still nothing. So at some point in the next few months, hopefully we will find out what they are planning on doing. Um, again, I don't think landlords really need to worry now because what they are talking about is publishing a white paper, a command paper, that is then will be discussed. It will then become a bill before Parliament. It will then need to go through Parliament. It will then need its secondary legislation to go through Parliament. So an act, a bill, a, what becomes an Act of Parliament, 
is what I, I kind of describe as the bare bones of what to do. You then have secondary legislation, what is known as statutory instruments. Those put the flesh on the bones. And then you have all the guidance that builds the actual law that comes down the line. So, yeah, I would suggest at this point in time, we're probably talking 2025. Okay. Okay. So I don't think you've got too much to worry about on that one. Uh, the other one for landlords that's coming down the line as well is energy efficiency. So we all know and love the minimum energy efficiency standards. Well, they're getting worse. So at the moment, there is a proposal that from the 1st of April 2025, you won't be able to let out on a new or renewal tenancy uh, any property that has an EPC below a C, so minimum C, um, and you will have to spend £10,000 as opposed to the 3500 cap that we've got at the moment. Um, that will have a backstop date similar to the last MEES where all tenancies will have to get up to a C by 1st of April 2028. Again, we haven't seen the actual legislation. That is what has been put out in the proposals and consultation documents. So those timescales may slip, the bandings may change, the uh, requirements, the, the 10,000 cost cap may change, but that's certainly what the proposals are at the moment. And when we think how high climate change and net zero by 2050 is on the political agenda, I would not expect it to get any easier for landlords. I would expect it to get more draconian. So because they're talking about 10,000 pounds as well, that is a lot of money. Yeah. In London, on the average rent, that's probably six to eight months rent gone in its entirety. In other parts of the country, we're talking potentially years of rent. So this is something that if you've got low energy efficient properties, you want to start thinking now because you could be banned from letting them out in a few years time. I would also say on that one that they are planning on introducing a requirement that the property portals, Rightmove, Zooplub on the market, et cetera, will not be able to list a property unless it's got the EPC and the EPC meets the minimum energy efficiency standards. If they pass that, I'm afraid it's something we will have to enforce very rigorously because we will then be the ones prosecuted if we're allowing listings that are unlawful. So it's something that should they go that far, and I can assure you I'm resisting it as much as possible. <laughs> uh, if they go that far, it is something that you will have to get it up uh, correct, otherwise you won't be able to list it on any portals. And do you know what? That goes right the way back to investing in a property in the first place. If, if anybody is thinking about investing in a buy-to-let property now, then pay attention to the EPC rating as it is now. Because like you've said, Absolutely. there's going to be a point in time over the next decade, whatever it is or whatever it looks like, where you're going to have to spend some money bringing that rating up to a required level. So little tip there. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Little tip there is, is buy a property with the future in mind. Yeah. And I would say, whilst we're talking very much about private renting and minimum standards on landlords, one of the other proposals within that centres around owner-occupiers of, of properties. So um, government will always be a bit twitchy about going after owner-occupiers because with the best one in the world, they're the people that vote them into office. So what they are talking about is placing uh, requirements and whether it's going to be a levy or a charge or something like that on 
the mortgage lenders themselves. So they are not lending or they are making it more expensive to lend on less energy efficient properties. So don't just think, oh, well, I'll just sell it off to the owner occupied sector because they are likely, whilst our minimum energy standards are going up, their costs are likely to go up for a less energy efficient property. I can see a situation where you, know, you have basically a 0.5% levy if it's a C or below, something like that. That is where I would imagine it will go. And that is purely because the government is too scared to put a minimum energy efficiency standard on a known occupied house. If you could jump back 10 years and there's somebody <laughs> who's... No, there's a landlord 10 years ago. What would you say to that landlord 10 years ago, knowing what you know now? I would still say do it. In this day and age, even now, we're starting to see the base rate go up, but money is cheap. It's been one property, bricks and mortar is always one of the best investments. It's why the UK property market is so buoyant. We are a country that is a stable Western democracy, and you see so much foreign investment coming into bricks and mortar because it is a good long-term investment. We've had good rental yields over the time whilst having record low interest rates. In fact, actually over the last decade, interest rates have somehow managed to go even further down than they were in 2009 or eight when the financial crash happened. Um, so we have had a, a good time over the last few years as a landlord. Yes, there has been a lot more law coming in, and yes, there is going to be a lot more to come as well, but it's been a great opportunity. Landlords have been able to make, in most places, pretty good capital returns on their properties, whilst, except not everywhere, but have been able to make relatively good rental yields as well. Got a bit worse, obviously, when they changed the tax, and we have to start paying an awful lot more tax, um, which I'm sure crippled a lot of people uh, and did cause a lot of people to move out of the sector. We've seen a lot more costs put onto us, but the sector has survived, it's thrived, it has found, I don't want to say a way round, I would say a way through new pieces of legislation. Um, we have got some excellent letting agents out there, some excellent landlords out there. What we've got to do now is get rid of that rogue element. Mm -hmm. I agree. What worries me a little bit is that as we start seeing more and more regulations, it's going to start pushing the good landlords out of the market. It's going to start dis becoming a disincentive for new good landlords coming into the market. But I don't think that's going to reduce the size of the market, which means we're going to see an increase in the don't knows and don't cares. That causes a much bigger problem particularly you know, Scotland at the moment is making all of the, uh, the grounds for possession discretionary, which is going to make it much more difficult to regain possession. They are talking about imposing rent controls as well. If we start going down that line in England, I think we are going to start changing the nature of the sector. And if you think over the last 30 years, really since the Housing Act 1988, Government made a conscious decision that we are going to improve the quality. We're not going to regulate the price. And I completely agree with that. Me too. Private rented properties should be of good quality. Now, it is somebody's home at the end of the day, and therefore it should be up to a good standard. But you can only do that 
with a free market economy where you get to set the price. If you start limiting what a landlord can charge and you break the relationship between the house price and the rent and start controlling the rent, landlords can't make ends meet. They can't invest in their portfolio because the gap between what a house costs and what they will be able to get in rent makes it economically unviable. So that stops growth in the sector. It also then means that with controlled rents, landlords can either pay their mortgage or they can keep property in a good condition, at which point they're going to pay the mortgage. And so the property conditions will fail or fall. It's what we see every single time rent control is created anywhere in the world. Yeah. There is not just evidence from this country, there's evidence from every country where rent control is imposed. Is exactly the same thing happens. Supply plummets, quality plummets. It's exactly what happened here when we have rent control. It's exactly what happens everywhere else. You go to the rent controlled areas of major European cities, the properties are literally collapsing. Um, and that, that is what will happen here. And so I think we've got to be very, very careful because when that happens, it breeds a specific type of landlord. And I don't think either of us are old enough to remember Mr. Rackman, um, but there will be landlords out there that remember that era. There will be people who live, live through that era. And we've got to be so careful that history doesn't repeat itself. Yeah, weeding out the rogues is one thing, but start messing with natural organic property markets will bring in those people once again. So no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I suppose that leads me on quite nicely to my next question, which is a bit of an opportunity to use some imagination, but also a little bit of logic as well. So you, David Cox, if you could implement any piece of legislation that you could possibly make up from your... <laughs> This is imagination land, so anything goes. <laughs> what would that what would that piece of legislation be to protect both landlords and tenants? Training. Um, so it's something that I have argued for for the best part of a decade. That you you can't blame people who don't know what they're not doing. Now, you can only blame somebody for not doing something if they are will, willfully not doing it. And therefore, I actually quite like what they do in Wales, that if you want to be a landlord, you've got to get qualified or you've got to use a qualified letting agent. So it's why I have been a very strong advocate of the regulation of property agents, be they sales agents or letting agents, because for a landlord, uh, your property is basically the largest asset you own after the home in which you live. In. Um, for a tenant, it's their house. It's where they live. Should it not be the right of every landlord and every tenant to have the letting agent managing that property, knowing what they're doing? Couldn't agree more. Got the letting agents knowing what they're doing. Then if you want to self-manage your property, that's fine, but you've got to know what you're doing. That will then get rid of all the need for the 150 odd pieces of legislation that we have got at the moment. We can slim it down, simplify it, make it a lot easier for the enforcing bodies to actually enforce rather than going through 185 different pieces of law to find what is the right section of what act to go and prosecute this landlord. Let's make it simple. We can't make it simple until they know what they've got to do. So that, that is my, that's my crystal ball. And it means we can get rid of the idiot licensing that we see popping up here, there and everywhere all over the country that in the best part of 20 years of licensing, 
has not improved the life of a single tenant anywhere in the country. I love it. The regulation of property agents, for example, a lot of landlords think that think that that relates to only letting agents, but it's going to be for anybody who manages a tenancy. It's got to be. Well, the current proposal from the regulation of property agents working group is just letting agents and estate agents. I'm, I would ad- advocate, and I certainly did when I sat on that working group, that we start with the letting agents and the landlords and uh, the uh, estate agents. We then go on to the landlords once yeah. we get the uh, the agents themselves. I think it's actually where Wales slightly fell down. With I love their ambition, but they tried to do everything all at the same time, and the only way that <laughs> was by dumbing it down to such an extent that as long as you could spell your name right and had a crayon to have, pass the exam. Um, I'd like to see a slightly more robust approach taken in England. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. And and I think it's got to be anybody in that. Eventually, you're absolutely right. It's got to be everybody who's managing a tenant's home has to be exactly. trained. No, I agree. I like that one. Okay, um, let's a couple couple of last parts here. Just finishing up here, um, we've had so much information from you. I really appreciate it. Like I said earlier on, if you're a landlord or a letting agent listening to this, hit the favorite, go back, listen to it again with a pen and paper because there is tons of information here. But you know, we all, as you, as I know, you are a big gun at Right Move right now. So Right Move is a free resource for anybody who's not a letting agent or an estate agent. So how can people, the general public, landlords, property investors, tenants, anybody, how can they get the most out of Rightmove when it comes to all of this sort of stuff? I suppose Rightmove is known as the property portal, but we have massively extensive resources in the advice and guidance sections. And there are huge amounts of documents in there to help owners, for selling their properties, for letting their properties out as landlords, for tenants and for buyers. There is a wealth of resource. We also offer many free webinars, training courses for our customers as well. So we are, we're trying to be more than just the property portal and we are trying to be there to help everybody in the property transaction do it safely, compliantly. And because we have that position, where we are the, the window to the property industry. We are trying to take that position of responsibility as seriously as possible. It's why we are very much working with the government with trading standards at the moment on the material information, because we really do believe that will help. And whether it's sales or lettings, it is just having that information upfront is gonna make people's lives easier. And, and we do have uh, a very stated strategic aim of trying to be able to rent a property in five minutes. I love it. That, that is our strategic goal. Um, and we are hoping that we're going to be able to achieve it in the not too distant future. I like that. I love it. And do you know what? Everyone wins. Everyone wins if that happens. Exactly. Yeah, no, I like that. All right. Look, I really appreciate you giving us some insight, some advice, some knowledge and your experience. I will wrap up by saying that it's been a pleasure and I told you, everybody, I would bring the big guns out when it comes to lettings, legislation, compliance and the law for landlords, you've got to go to the top. So, Mr. David Cox, thank you ever so much for joining me and I hope we will cross paths again and speak again very soon. I look forward to it and thank you very much for having me.
Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. But before you go to the next episode, I really want to hear from you. Just search Tom Sohn on any social media or just email me tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. And if you need any help with your own situation, just get in touch. I'll answer every email and every message I promise. Anyway, see you in the next podcast. And remember, being a landlord is hard. Being an anonymous landlord is easy. Invest, enjoy, repeat and grow.